Hey there, it's Hedvig from Abundate. Do you ever feel like you're constantly battling against your multilingual brain at work? Maybe you struggle to find the right words in English, worry about your accent or your grammar, or you find yourself constantly overthinking your language use to avoid making a mistake. You're not alone. Did you know that this lack of confidence in your language skills can actually lower your working memory capacity? That means you might not be performing at your best if you're distracted by any language worries or uncertainty. But here's the thing, it's not your fault. We have been taught to approach language learning in a way that goes against the natural functioning of our multilingual brains. The good news is that there's a way to actually work with your brain instead of against it a way to develop effective communication strategies that go beyond just grammar and vocabulary, a way to gradually build your confidence and skills without dedicating hours every day, and most importantly, a way to bring your unique voice and personality to the conversation instead of kind of sounding like somebody else. Introducing the School of Certainty. Abundate's group coaching program designed specifically for professionals like you who use English as a foreign language at work. I understand your frustration because I've been there myself. And now I help professionals like you to confidently build and nurture relationships in English, bring out the best and most competent version of yourself and excel in your career. Don't let your language worries hold you back any longer. Join the School of Certainty and start your journey towards confident and effective communication. Visit abundate.org soc to get started. That's a-b-u-n-d-a-t-e dot o-r-g slash s-o-c. Learning a language is not what you think, but so much more. This is the Abundate Podcast and I'm your host, language and learning coach, Hedvig Sambu. In this episode, my guest is a person who has made bilingualism a very deliberate practice for her family and even turned it into a business. I'm speaking with Florence Rosenstein, also known as Flo, about why it was important to her that her children could communicate in multiple languages, how she actually turned a home project into a business to help other French-English bilingual families, whether it's actually more difficult to raise children bilingually, and we also touch upon some of the complexities of multilingual and multicultural identities. Because you have a very interesting background and quite a multicultural background, so can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up in a multilingual household? I grew up in in France. I'm French, uh, in the countryside, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, my dad is uh, is French. Is from he's from that countryside. The house we lived in is uh, his grand grandparents' house. And my mom um, is from Laos. She's French now, but she she grew up in Laos and a bit in France. So you were growing up in this small village in France with a French dad and a Laois, uh, sorry, a Lao mother. Mm-hmm. And 
Did you guys speak French and Lao at home? We spoke mainly French. My mom sometimes talked to us, talked to us in uh, in Lao uh, for words, things like that. Or when we were outside in the shop, uh, say it's too expensive or oh that's ugly. She would say that in Lao, which really everybody would understand because of the tone and the (laughs) the face and and everything but it's or um she would say little things or um sit correctly sit properly at the table uh things like that um she would say that in lao i used to speak to spend a lot of time with my grandparents when i was very little um and they, my grandma, she didn't speak French, so she was speaking to me in Lao. So I understand um, most, you know, common things, uh, um, things you talk about when you're a kid uh, in Lao still now, but I can't speak anymore. I mean, I'm just a bit, uh, I don't really speak anymore, which I think is a shame. Uh, so maybe if I, if I go there someday, uh, I can speak a bit yeah so but you have lived in France you've lived in Switzerland you've lived in the UK have I missed anything (laughs) no I think that uh yeah that covers it uh pretty much yeah I just um when I went to Switzerland to uh I trained as an architect and I went there for an internship and I and I stayed for longer than I thought I would at the time. And this was a great um, experience for me, uh, living abroad and in a country where I didn't speak the language. It was in a German part of Switzerland and the, it was a very cosmopolitan uh, office and I really enjoyed it. Uh, we were mainly speaking English, um, and I found out that you know it's uh, it's hard to 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 speak another language uh, in an office setting and work, and um, and everybody was from a different country, so it makes it really it make it made it a really you know interesting in terms of languages and communication. Uh, I started mm. to learn a bit. Uh, I had basic German skills, if I can, uh, if I can mm-hmm. say that, at the time. But uh, Swiss German is uh, very different. It sounds very different from uh, High German, German, and um, and yeah, it was a learning curve for me there. Yeah, <laughs> and moving on to the UK and you now have bilingual children who speak English and French and can you tell us a little bit about why it was important to you to raise your children bilingually? Um, I think it's so important to be able to communicate and they were in a foreign country. I mean it's not a foreign country for them because they were born here in the UK and they feel very British, I think, uh, although both of us um, are French. And uh, they enjoy speaking English. They, 
um, since they're at school, particularly, they just um, they speak English all the time, and it's hard for us to switch back to French sometimes. And um, but I think it's just um, I think it's so wonderful for them to have that uh, possibility of expressing themselves in two different languages uh, almost equally. I think it's uh, I think it's really important for them to 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 have that it's um i grew up like this uh, i think with both languages and it's so nice when you can laugh at a joke joke in in the actual language uh this sort of thing these little things and it broadens your your possibility and your i don't know uh, i really like that they are able to do that yeah and something I really admire about you and what you have done is you recognized at one point, uh, and I want to talk about sweet pomplemousse now, at one point you recognized that your your children were growing up in the UK and you wanted to give them that exposure to French and the French language and different ways of engaging with uh, the world in French as well as in English and you kind of just took that into your own hands and what did you do how did that inspiration make you act um it's uh my son is now nine and when he was little he didn't um he didn't speak I mean he he started speaking I thought really late uh, and we've seen a speech therapist at the time, and I thought it was it, it might have been the the bilingual thing, you know, us speaking French, English at nursery. Maybe he was confused or something. I don't know. I mean, children pick that up really quickly anyway. Um, but um, so I tried to find a way to because I'm a visual person and. Um, I tried to find a way to, you know, to show him, uh, okay, this starts, you know, I started the alphabet like this, the bilingual alphabet, saying that um, this word starts with the same letter in English and in French. And I knew he loved transport. So the first word came, it's just airplane, airplane, mm -hmm. uh, which is avion in French, and it starts with A. And I try to engage with him a bit more, like try to make him say the words. Um, and that's how it started, really. So that's how it started with you giving your son these kind of bilingual associations with words to get him, to help him to speak, to yes. help him to understand that there are there are in fact two languages in his life and here's one avion and here's the other airplane and they mean the same thing here's a nice picture to make it visual and make it real yes and then and then you started to actually to to create that and and build that not just for yourself yes is it harder to be a bilingual to raise bilingual children do you um, think i don't know if it's harder to raise bilingual children I think uh, just parenting is hard just on its own mm. <laughs> really <laughs> and um, but because we we want 
them to be able to speak and write uh, in French as well as English. We've started to to get French courses for my son now, and next year will be my daughter. Uh, and it's and it's hard because it puts you have to put the hours in, and it's mm. like um, last year was like three to four hours each week, which is quite a lot because he needs to focus and he needs to learn, and it's and it's quite hard. And um, I'm happy for him that you know he speaks French and uh, and English, but really if he really wants to use French as a as an opportunity for jobs or you know uh, at a later date then he needs to write to write it and it's hard it's hard work um but well uh it's yeah. how it is uh. now in a, in a previous interview um i was speaking to someone who had been a monolingual english speaker until the age of 22 and she said she grew up uh quite jealous of of her bilingual friends who kept having to go to Chinese school and, you know, who who kind of complained about this burden and yet they did get that extra language or that additional language uh, in addition to English. And, um, I, you know, it seems to me like it it is going to pay, pay off, but it does, it's, I, it yeah. sounds like it does take some focus and very intentional, um, action yes it's uh it requires uh commitment um and we've started only last year and it's i mean with covid and everything it's been really really hard uh because we had to teach him ourselves and uh i think it's not easy to teach your children especially if you're not a teacher i think (laughs) and uh this year we have um we have a tutor so she does half of the job for us and we do the other half and it and it's much lighter for him as well i think it's it's better i'm curious if you meet a parent who's wondering should i raise my children with my partner's language and my language or you know let's say they're bilingual or trilingual within mm. their family or maybe the country that they live in speaks a different language from the language that they speak at home what advice would you give them well uh it's tricky because i know everybody's different but uh i've seen a lot of um posts online where parents are worried that uh, they're not going to speak their language or should I focus on one language or this sort of thing and I personally I would say uh, speak to your child with as many languages as you can I mean if it's your mother tongue or something I just I think it's so it's so rich for them to have when they grow up and um, I know it can be a bit tricky because you want your child to to fit in as well if you're in a foreign country, uh, you know, to be able to speak the language uh, from this country and not to be, you know, left out. Um, but I think it's it's so important and it's part of their heritage as well. So they can, you know, they can have that for them. And I'm so glad 
I have some basics of Lao, for example, because I know my brothers, they don't because they, you know, uh, they didn't spend as much time as uh, with my with our grandparents as I did. And I think it's just uh, I'm so lucky in that sense that I had to I had that experience. And yeah. What do you think that's given you? I think it gives me another point of view as well. And that's part of maybe the culture. I think I'm more, um, as a person, um, I, um, I feel equally loud or French or even British for that matter. It's really weird. It's just, um, in terms of identity, it's just, well, it's that duality that I have in me. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I think it's a really, it's really strong within me. It's always like I'm divided, but uh, I'm, I'm always trying to reconnect those two sides of me. Uh, but language is, uh, me living in England now has made it easier to accept that. Because I mean, uh, first in London, it's very cosmopolitan, and there's lots of people with different backgrounds, uh, which I love meeting and talking to them, and I think it's so interesting. As opposed to where I grew up, where it was really, you know, everybody was the same. I mean, not entirely the same because that, obviously that's not <laughs> true, but it's nobody really looked like me or you know had different backgrounds um, or heritage. But it makes me feel more at home here in London than I felt at home there. I can relate. I mean, I I grew up, you know, one foot in Norway, one foot in England. And I I think what I've learned is that it's not an either or. You're not just either Norwegian or you're English. You're not either Lao or you're French or you're English. You can be all three. You can be, you know something some you know blends and mixes and nuance is beautiful um and you don't have to kind of fit yourself into one box i i totally agree with you and that's i'm working on it (laughs) the last Mm. years has been uh working towards that you know embracing my whole identity uh rather than trying to to fit in because i can't really i mean nobody can can you? Yeah. Can I ask you, how are you doing that? How are you working on embracing your identity? Uh, I think I talk a lot more about it. Um, and I know I don't look Asian at all now, uh, which uh, which I always <laughs> have to, I always have to say, you know, I'm half Asian because for me, it's so important. And mm-hmm. <laughs> this is to me, yeah. yeah. I talk a lot about it, and um, I think I want to meet more people. Uh, I want to, you know, I want to share all of that. And mm. yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's a long process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not a um, uh, one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I know exactly. This is this is that I am. 
Lao <laughs> and I'm, you know, 28% English and then the rest is French or, you know, you don't just know that this is the, it's not a finite or a, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a, an easily definable thing. No, it's not. But that, make, that makes it more interesting, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah, it does. You know, we've talked a little bit about the, you know, how you are raising your kids with French and English. And that makes a lot of sense because you're a, essentially a French family li <laughs> living in England. Um, do you think, you know, how do you think you'll kind of connect your kids to the Lao language or culture, heritage? That's um, not a regret, but it's uh, something which I find difficult. I remember when my son was a baby, I sometimes said things in Lao to him, uh, like words, teaching him words, and um, but they're not really connected to it. Uh, to this part of their identity, I always insist. Uh, I always insist when you know when I when I had to when I have to fill forms, you know, doctors' forms. I always say white and Asian uh, ethnicity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always stick that because there's like a fourth of Asian, you know, blood in them, if I can say, and that might be tricky and uh, for some you know conditions uh, later on, and they don't look a bit Asian. Uh, <laughs> but mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to them like with food I try to uh, I'm not cooking much of Asian food but um, uh, when we go to my parents uh, my mom cooks uh, a lot for them and uh, for us and uh, they have a, they have a taste of that and mm -hmm. um, you know and what better way Uh, to do this <laughs> I mean than food um, I want to do more really I want to go there and to I've never been uh, to Laos uh, I want to go there it's been planned a couple of times but then cancelled uh, a couple of times sadly um, so now I have the kids so I want to go there with them and you know discover that with them uh, the country with them be fantastic I think Yeah, I mean, I love this con identity conversation because literally everyone has a different identity. Some people yes. have, uh, <laughs> obviously it's almost in the word, but, um, you know, some people have a very clear sense of their identity in terms of their nationality or in terms of yes. their, uh, you know, race or in terms of whatever it is. But others um, who maybe have a bit more of a, I want say fluid identity <laughs> yeah um you know where it kind of some days you feel more French some days you feel more Lao uh, you know maybe some days you feel more English for me definitely I have days where I really struggle to say a word in English and I'm like well, wait am I turning Norwegian or am I just losing all of my language skills altogether <laughs> um and the same you know vice versa with with Norwegian Um, I was, you know, when I was spending a lot of time speaking French, I kind of forgot everything else for a while. So, um, you know, it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I, I, I hope that 
we can encourage more people to explore um, different sides of their identities, really. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. Flo, it's been wonderful speaking to you. And I just want our listeners to know, where can they find you? Um, so you can find me uh, on Etsy. I have the sweet pamplemousse shop on Etsy for bilingual cards. And I do a bit of um, home decor as well for children. Um, and I also offer graphic design services and photography. Uh, and that will be on my website. And it's sangflowdesigns.co.uk. Follow me on Instagram and that's uh, at Sweet Pamplemousse UK. Uh, that's the main one. Brilliant. And on Sweet Pamplemousse UK on Instagram, there's lots of wonderful um, graphics. And I, I am always impressed by the, you know, little seasonal tips. And, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, strange phrases in French and how they translate or don't translate to English. And um, so, yeah, definitely follow follow her on, on Instagram. And in fact, um, Flo, you have uh, done the graphics for our podcast as well. Um, so that's a little preview. Um, if you guys, uh, if anyone is in need of graphic design services um, or design or photography, um, you can reach out to to her there. So thank you so much, Flo. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Hedwig, for having me. <laughs> it was such a nice talk. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Lots of food for thought, for me at least, from this interview. As a non-parent, I know that I would want to be very conscious. And I, I mean... I'm also a language nerd by nature, but I know that I would be very conscious of wanting to raise future children with a multilingual, in a multilingual world, really. It's the world we live in, for starters. Um, languages aren't going away, and as Flo mentioned, there is so much to gain from speaking another language whether it's sort of a different perspective or just being able to laugh at uh, a joke in a different language it's an, a it's a really magical feeling now I'd like to encourage you to think about your own experience with multilingual households if you've experienced it first hand you might have thought about this before but you know, what do you feel was different from maybe from other families? Or if you haven't had this experience yourself, where have you seen it? Um, maybe in friends or relatives, neighbors, someone you work or study with. And what's your impression of, of that? You know, would does it appeal to you having a multilingual family? And would you consider... Or are you considering raising your children bilingually or trilingually or multilingually, you know, and what are the things that might sway your decision one way or the other? I'm genuinely I'm asking this partly because I'm I'm curious and I would love to hear from you. 
Um, there's lots of ways that you can engage with me um, and you can get all the links. Um, but the maybe the most direct is reaching out on podcast at abundate.org. I'm, I'm genuinely very curious about how people are approaching this. And also, I hope it might be useful for you to consider it if you haven't really thought about this before. What are your thoughts and what do you think are the the challenges? Um, what are the challenges if you're raising uh, multilingual children already? And there it is. This is This is my way of saying you really can do whatever you want and you have the choice. You can choose to bring more multilingualism into your life and into the lives of the people around you but it's really really just up to you um and there are so many different ways of bringing it into your life if you are curious about french english uh graphics i would encourage you to check out sweet pomplemousse on instagram and on etsy That's it, everyone. I hope that this episode gave you motivation, inspiration, and energy to take with you into your language learning practice. To learn more about Abundate and the services that I offer, visit abundate.org podcast. That's A-B-U-N-D-A-T-E dot O-R-G slash podcast. The background music you're hearing is called Blanks by Poddington Bear, and podcast graphics were designed by Sengflow Designs. Everything else was done by me, Hedvig Sandbu. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Hey, before you go, here's a quick reminder for you who uses English as a foreign language at work. Go check out the School of Certainty, specifically designed for the international professional to help build brain-friendly communication skills so you can stop overthinking did I say that right? What's the right word here? Should I put an S on the end there? Visit abundate.org soc for more information.